Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everyone and welcome to a summer edition of the talking about podcast i'm sean kennedy with me on the line again this week is dave early of liberty ballers dave how are you doing i'm good thanks yeah glad to have you back we're going to talk summer league the first half of the show today and then we're going to get into some of the last remnants of free agency and what's going on with the sixers and maybe around the league time permitting we'll see but yeah, Salt Lake City Summer League has just finished up. Uh, the Sixers finished two and one, all very close games. They're heading to Vegas now. They'll start their uh, their Vegas contests on Saturday. But yeah, wanted to get your initial reactions of what you've seen in Summer League. We saw two games from pretty much everyone. They were kind of rotating the the rest days so no one had to play three days in a row, which would have been nice if they'd said that initially and not vaguely called it reconditioning for quit for queen um because when we saw that i i i was like what's going on why isn't he reconditioning like no no one's really played games in a couple months it's weird why why didn't they just call it rest to space it out or something (laughs) but yeah dave what what have you seen what jumped out at you in in the three games that we watched in salt lake city uh isaiah joe's game winner was definitely the highlight for me Jaden springer's defensive Drew Holiday-like play and the save. Uh, you know, I had my eye, obviously, on who might be in the Sixers – who's definitely going to be in the Sixers rotation. That's Paul Reed. And then who's, like, maybe trying to make the team. I thought that might be Isaiah Joe. And who might be playing for a rotation spot between probably Joe, Springer, and Bassey. Um, and I think in the case of Joe – I was starting to feel like if he doesn't have a good summer league, they might start to feel like a vet minimum signing would be preferable. Um, But he certainly answered the bell with that game that we just watched. So I I think he made a good case for himself and uh, I'm starting to lean back towards, you know, maybe, maybe keeping Joe instead of going for Kent Bazemore is appealing. Yeah. You like the idea of, having a guy on a, a cheap rookie deal still. Um, and, but a, as you said, he's, he's been a name. A lot of people have circled as if they need a roster spot, he's on a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, so they could just release him and it wouldn't take up any cap space moving forward. Um, it, it, yeah. The, the OKC game where, as you mentioned, he hit the game winner with 25 seconds left. That was definitely his best game. He, he got hot towards the end. The Thunder really started to key in on him, and he, he was still hitting tough contested shots. That that last game winner, the obvious example of that. Um, prior to that game, it was kind of a mixed bag. He, he, he did some good things, but there were times where 
it was, it was the old Isaiah Joe, oh, it looks good, but the, the results just kind of aren't there, which we've kind of come to expect from him. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't know if anything's been decided one way or another. It's, it seems very much up in the air. He did help himself a lot with the, the Thunder game, but I think if the right player came along, the right uh, opportunity for the Sixers front office where they said, Hey, we absolutely need a roster spot. I don't think Joe's done anything to say, Oh, you absolutely have to keep him. It'd be crazy to let him go. But on the other hand, he has looked pretty good in flashes. So there there is still the promise and the the upside there where you'd like to keep him around um, because all, all the tools we've talked about, like the three point range and the, the smooth release and the, at least the effort and the the willingness to play hard on the defensive end as well that that's all been there um but yeah it, i i think it's still kind of a, a tbd as far as joe's concerned and we'll see see more of him in vegas obviously so yeah something something to keep an eye on with joe um for sure uh yeah, Jaden's, think, yeah sorry go ahead yeah i think if the sixers had their way they would be replacing him because they'd probably like to do one of those consolidation trades where they're trading like three guys for four guys for Eric Gordon and then turning to the free agency for a couple of vet mins to fill out the, the rest of the roster. I think that's how they would like to do it. Um, but like you said, while Joe isn't safe yet, he definitely did the best he could in that final game going four of six from three with the game winner. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's playing hard and he definitely, wants to stick around and show the team that he's, he's worth a roster spot moving forward. Um, yeah, we'll see. We still got at least five games in Vegas. So plenty, plenty more sample size to come as far as Joe's summer is concerned. Um, you mentioned Paul Reed earlier. He, for the second year in a row is just too good for summer league. It's pretty clear. He's there to work on his perimeter skills at, can he guard in space out on the perimeter his outside shooting his his ball handling a little bit and i think the the returns on that have been good he he once again we saw a lot of it in the in the postseason when he finally got a shot to back up joel his perimeter defense looked good he looks pretty switchable very fluid out there and uh offensively the the shot still not the smoothest thing in the world but he's hit a few and he had this really nice uh, behind-the-back drive yesterday in the OKC game. Um, yeah, it's it's fun to see Paul out there and, and kind of expanding his game a little bit and his his defense rebounding effort that's all 100% like it always is. So it seems pretty clear he's penciled in as the backup center option. There's nothing we've seen that would preclude him from remaining there. Um, he he looks really good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we only see him in one or two games in Vegas and then then he takes a rest until training camp. Um, I, I don't know. Have, have you been enjoying the Paul Reed experience as much as I have? <laughs> yeah, and, and the exact same thing jumped out to me too. I thought, man, they're really uh, – his perimeter defense kind of popped. And I guess, you know, with guys like P.J. Tucker and Daniel House here, that's – maybe going to be a thing. It was, it's really, really hard now. Even Daniel House mentioned it when he was officially in the building. He was like, you know, we're bringing some of that Rockets culture here to Philadelphia. So when you hear stuff like that the same day and then you watch Reed check a guard like 25 feet from the hoop, 
very difficult not to think of Clint Capella doing that like four or five years ago, right? Um, and how successful the Rockets were. So when Joel does sit, I know it's only like 10 minutes a game, but maybe it's 12 to 20 starts in the regular season for load management injury stuff. Maybe the Sixers have some options where they can go switch everything, have Paul check a guard and switch with P.J. Tucker. They could do some five out lineups and get pretty creative. I know Daryl Morey has said things like this in the past, and then we don't see it because Doc Rivers is reluctant to try this stuff. Um, he likes his, his sort of old-fashioned big near the rim. But there's some tantalizing possibilities to play with if they wanted to go that route, and maybe Reed is trying to prove that they can try it. Yeah, like a Tucker, Tobias, Reed front court where everyone's got decent enough size, but also pretty agile and switchable that that'd be interesting to say that the Sixers definitely have more flexibility in that area heading into next season than they did a couple months ago um, with the the offseason signings Um, so yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how much Doc goes with that down the road but Reed definitely acquitting himself well in Salt Lake City so I I think that's something we should definitely get a look at in an ideal world Um, and he hit a three. He hit a three from a pick and pop, and he caught a lob and jammed it. So James Harden will have his eye on both of those plays. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of James Harden, another guy that people have thought would pair really nicely, and we haven't really gotten too much of a chance to see it was Charles Bassey, who's also playing in Salt Lake City. Um, seen a, re- a couple really good lob finishes from him. There was one where he. Uh, there was one from Queen in the Utah game where it was a little bit off the mark, but Bassey really went up and got it. And uh, he had another one later in the second half of that one. Um, so you, you see those kind of plays and you feel as if Bassey would really scale up well with a guard like Harden, who has made careers for guys in similar situations like that. And I feel like Bassey hasn't jumped out and, and like dominated in summer league, but I feel like he's more of a guy just do his role, rebound, defend block shots and finish those lobs that we've seen him do a couple times. And that, that would really fill a role well with Harden as like a Joel sitting Harden can lead the second unit and, and Bassie might be a good pick and roll option with him. Um, and maybe it's just in those load management games where Jolo sits that you mentioned and maybe you just feel comfortable with a Reed Bassey front court on those games. Um, what's, what's your, been your impressions of uh, Charles in these three, three contests? Yeah, I, w- I thought he was pretty raw. I think the thing that impressed me the most was he had several vertical contests and I think he offers a little bit of a bigger body than Reed does where Reed, you get some of the, the weak side help plays that are really exciting the help far away from the room with perimeter defense, uh, maybe more shooting. But with Bassey, uh, you get a little bit more of that traditional element where a guy goes to finish a layup and Bassey's just in the way and he forces him to take a terrible shot or pass. Um, and so he did that a few times. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's an NBA skill, the way he just was able to absorb the contact, jump vertically, very high. I mean, he had pretty, a few pretty high jumps on there. You mentioned the lob that he caught, but there was a few that would have been end ones that he just erased off the backboard. So I was impressed with that. I'm not sure if he 
is a viable candidate for the regular season, but I, I definitely give him a shot. Like if I'm choosing a final roster spot on a vet min deal from someone like Ben McElmore or Tony Snell versus a Hassan Whiteside, I think I've seen enough from these two young guys to, to pick the wing like Snell. Yeah. Good, good vertical contest from Bassey. Good, um, you know, defensive awareness to be able to, halt the driver enough and then recover to his man in those pick and roll defense plays. And I agree with you hundred percent. I like the fact that Daryl hasn't brought in the vet big who you just worry doc will pencil in. Because- Kyle Newbeck <laughs> said that they might be not aligned on that issue. Like yeah. there are, he said, there's like definitely some people in the organization who want to roll with what they've got, which would basically be doc has to choose one of Reed Bassey or PJ Tucker at the five when Joel sits. But you know, if they brought in like Whiteside on a two two million dollar deal, that that guy would basically, I, Doc would probably have to promise him the role just to get him in the door for that little money. So um, you'd have mixed feelings about that for sure. Yeah, going. I, I would want Daryl to go the the money ball route where he just <laughs> leaves leaves Doc with no options but to play the young guys. So hopefully Art, that Art Howe and uh, yeah yeah Art Howe and Billy Bean. Yeah. So. I hopefully that persists into training camp and that I'm hoping that situation doesn't change because I feel like Reed has definitely proved he can be a backup center in the league. We've seen him do that at the NBA level. Uh, Bassey aside from a handful of games, hasn't really got that shot, but I think there's been enough there where I want to see it. So having him as a third option at center, I think is fine. And if you give him a shot and it doesn't work out, I, you can always get those buyout guys at the the deadline to uh, to maybe fill that role if if Abassi as a, a as a third center doesn't work out. But yeah, the, I, way, I, the way how hard Paul Reed was playing, it wouldn't be shocking that they need that third guy to step in in case he you know like rolls an ankle for ten games because he was everywhere. Yeah, I he definitely plays with that style. I mean, Joel in summer league. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Joel, you know, he's going to have load management. He he has his plays where he dives into the third row, forgetting that he's a franchise player and maybe don't worry about one possession in the second half of a December game. Um, but, yeah, no I mean. saving he, balls into the stance. Yeah. Uh, Re- Regina King needs to be safe. Don't, <laughs> don't land on her in the first row. Um, yeah, so you're running that that third center like Tony Bradley type from a few years back, and I feel like Bassey could be that. So, yeah, just shout out Boban and Bolden. <laughs> yeah, new. Uh, hopefully, Boban has enjoys his new home this year. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like Reed and Bassey, Reed more so is is definitely penciled in as a backup, and I, I feel like Bassey's shown enough that I feel good about it. So. Hopefully that that continues into the season. Um, let's talk about the the guard the guard wing perimeter guys. Um, Jaden Springer still 19 years old. So I, I want to preface everything I'm saying with I, I still feel like he's the second he's the second youngest guy on the summer league roster right now. This isn't saying he couldn't have an NBA career, but I just don't really see a scenario where he is in the rotation this year. He, he's not confident at all in his outside shot. The dribble in traffic really concerns me. It comes and goes where 
Sometimes he's able to bully his way to the rim. Sometimes he just has it stripped from him. Um, the defense is good. Obviously, he you mentioned earlier that that great strip of a drive late in the Memphis game to to give the team one final possession uh, to to have a chance to tire win that game. But then on the offensive end, they 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 wanted to reward him. They drew it up for him to be the the creator, and he just had it his pocket picked. Um, trying to drive so he's he's shown good flashes i like his he has good like body control around the rim and, and pretty good finishing ability for a guy's size but doesn't have a mid-range game no confidence in the outside shot right now i i just don't see how he could be an impactful role player right now how things stand um do, do you agree with that or are you more yeah. bullish on on springer this year what are your thoughts no i'm not bullish i agree with you i think the thing that I found the most surprising was knowing that the swing skill that he needs to demonstrate he can do is catch and shoot threes and seeing how reluctant he was to even spot up for them uh, and how eager he was to attack a closeout instead. I was thinking, oh man, he's not even, he's not even here in summer league to show that he's worked on this for the last 15 months and can do it now. And so that was a red flag for me. I mean, no matter how good he is at all this other stuff, you're starting to think of him as a trade candidate. If he's, you know, if you're intrigued by the two pointers and the fact that he's able to draw foul shots, the fact that he's a plus 11 game high plus minus, even shooting three of 13 because his defense is already really good. He'd already be one of the Sixers best perimeter defenders. You've got everything but the shooting, but on this Sixers team, I just feel like that's, really, really important because we saw Joel Embiid, you know, maybe some of it was the mask and the thumb, but he's not the best passer in a, in a really, really big series. Uh, and I know he made strides there this year, but he also reverted back to the guy who had too many turnovers or missed too many spot up shooters. And a lot of that was not his fault because the guys around him were being completely ignored. And so if you've got James Harden who wants the ball in his hands because he's a reluctant catch-and-shoot player also, there's not really a lot of room for a Matisse Thybul or a Jaden Springer right now. So if Jaden Springer's not ready to just catch and fire open corner threes and hit him at like 34%, then you can't give him a, sh- a chance. Yeah, uh, mentioning Thibel, uh is a, is a good comparison because Springer kind of jumps out at me like a, a Thibel light right now, not not – as big or have the length that, that Matisse does not as havoc creating as Matisse is, but still in that, in that mold as a, a solid lock, like good perimeter defender. Um, Springer has a little more off the dribble game than Matisse does. I feel better. He can, if a guy's coming at him on a closeout, he's willing to go off the dribble and he can create in that way and draw fouls and get to the line. Um, but at the NBA level, they're going to scout and say like, Hey, he's not going to hit these shots and guys aren't going to close out on him hard. And those, those opportunities aren't going to be there. So yeah, you're, you're right. If he's, he's not hitting approaching league average from three, like what, what, what role is he really going to have? Like Matisse was played off the court because his offensive limitations, um, it would be a similar situation for, for Jaden while not being as impactful defensively either. So Again, still 19, so hate to uh, – I'm not, like, throwing dirt on his 
potentially being an NBA player down the road, but I, I don't see it this year. He definitely needs at least another year of seasoning. If you, if you wanted to read the tea leaves a little bit, like it's not like they're calling Jaden over and saying, Hey man, we talked about this for the last two months, just fire them up, just shoot some threes. Let's see how it looks. It looks like he's determining to get to the rim and do what he's best at, and which, which is fine. But then it starts to make you wonder would the Spurs love to mold both Jaden Springer and Matisse Seibel and the Sixers not mind that, you know, him doing what he is good at and just showing, because I agree with you, he's a better offensive player quite a bit than Matisse Seibel, but his shot isn't necessarily further along. While I would bet on it because his mechanics are a lot stronger, he's clearly not ready to deploy that in an NBA game right now. But the two of them make a pretty good bet, I would think, if you had a team that could stomach those minutes. Yeah, if, if you were really hurting for perimeter defenders and you're able to acquire both of them and like hope, oh, well, maybe one of them can pan out to the point offensively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of teams that are going to be doing that this year. So yeah. <laughs> woeful for Wambayana. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so you've got Chip England, the best shooting coach in the league. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's teams that will talk themselves into it for sure and say like, a change of environment, uh, a new home is just what the doctor ordered. So, and there, there's enough there to be optimistic about things. Um, but it, you know, I, I don't think the Sixers necessarily need to give up on Springer. They have, they, they made off season moves this year where I feel like their rotation is pretty solid. It's not like they're going to be hurting specifically if Springer doesn't make the leap this year into being a rotation guy. I think they can afford to be a little bit patient with him. But again, if it's a situation where a team wants to think a little more futuristically and take a chance on him and they're willing to give up something, or if it helps you to make a deal like a three-way, a three-team deal and, and get somebody that you want, I don't, I don't think they would be reluctant to give up on Springer. But um, yeah, that's, I just don't think it's going to happen this year for him. I agree. Uh, what about the, the other guys? So Queen has the partial guarantee. We've seen him in a couple games. Champagne's one of the two-way guys. Uh, Charlie Brown Jr., uh, the other the other of the two two-way players. Um, any any of those jump out to you? Any, any thoughts on what you've seen from them in Salt Lake City? Yeah, Charlie Brown Jr., I think, is a, a hold. Like, I think... Charlie Brown has got the NBA skill defensively. Like his, his length and his ranginess is great. Basically. Um, The shot is pretty funky. (laughs) I don't know what to make of it. Um, But I mean, Queen is, Queen is an older player at this point, isn't he? He's yeah. I think he's 25. Yeah. So I don't like he, his lack of comfort shooting an open catch and shoot corner three was startling to me. Like, when they kicked one out to him, he, he didn't have his hands ready. He didn't look like a guy who's shot 10 million of those over the last, you know, few weeks. Uh, so, and, and, he, and he clanked it. Which was weird because he's coming from the Rockets G League system where he shot nine a game. So it was definitely drilled in his head with uh, Rio Grande to, to just fire those up. And, and he did it for an entire G League season. So it, it was kind of weird that he wasn't more uh more willing to just let those fire 
Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a expert on G League. I haven't maybe Harrison Grimm has seen a lot more and he could put it into context for me. But I wasn't I didn't come away thinking, OK, this guy's definitely an NBA player. You absolutely have to keep him. He seems to really like the ball in his hands. And so I'm not sure what the role is. And he's not awesome enough at that to crack the Sixers rotation as a like a backup point guard. I I don't think I mean, you've got. Maxi and Melton who can handle that pretty well you've even got shake still so who whose minutes would he get in a lead guard role because he didn't really look like an all a combo guard to me uh he looked relatively uncomfortable off the ball um he did have a few nice pocket passes you liked his his headiness but each one was just a little bit low and none of them were caught cleanly so I, I just came away feeling like there's talent there but overall uncomfortable trusting him yeah i I, um just to circle back to to brown real quick i agree with you we already saw last year when he got his his stint with the sixers um that he he has the the nba defense toolbox like he can definitely guard at the nba level and and we've seen that in salt lake as well um yeah it's just can he do enough offensively is going to be the question He's looked okay. He's hit some shots in in summer league this year. Um, he he makes good like cuts and and reads off ball sometimes. Um, so I, I feel like he's kind of a good two way player to have. Just if you need him for a week, he's able to step in and and help you in some ways at the NBA level right now. But but really, there's a lot offensively he needs to continue working on. So he would benefit from being in Delaware for a good amount of time. So t- to me, that that's kind of like the prototypical reason you would have a two-way player. So feel comfortable with him there. Um, as, as far as Queen, I, I, I guess I'd liked a little bit more from what I saw from him than, than what you're describing. I, I thought he played really fast, good athleticism, good, good reads with those passes. Um, maybe if he had more chemistry with the guys he was playing with, some of those passes would be a little cleaner. They, they'd maybe be able to, to, to read each other a little better. Um, the, the shot, I, I agree, is a little concerning that a bit of a reluctance. Um, his percentage numbers haven't been great in the past. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I agree with you. It, you don't really see him as a lead ball handler type. Um, so I think they were kind of hoping for him to be more of like a three and D wing type, but if the, the three portion just isn't there, then that's, that's always going to be a limitation for him. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've seen, I think I've seen enough flashes to, to be intrigued. And I, I kind of understand why they gave him that, that partial guarantee to, to bring him in. And uh, I think it was worth a look. Um, and I, I'm not completely ready to say I'm moving on. I'm just trying to make some of these very difficult choices that they'll be trying to make. And I, I think I would, I almost feel like, you know how the Sixers had like Markel Fultz and Jaleel Okafor and Ben Simmons. And you're like, eventually they have to hit on one of these top three picks, right? Maybe they feel the same way with one of these excellent defenders who can't shoot. Between <laughs> Matisse and Springer and Brown, we're going to get one NBA, like PJ Tucker. Truly was like 30 years old. So a lot of these guys are so young there's time yeah you you they're de- they're definitely hoping that one of them pops um 
Yeah, Queen just hasn't definitely hasn't done things where you're like, oh, he should definitely make the roster. But I, I think uh, con- continue wait and see. I think he. I would rather have him in the two way spot than Champagny, who has really just been a ghost out there. Just hasn't shown anything. Hasn't jumped off the screen in any way. So if if it was, hey, do you want to give Queen a two way contract and keep him around at the expense of Champagny? I would say 100. percent But um, yeah, it's not like we should cut Isaiah Joe to make room for Queen right now. That that right. would be the case. So that's kind of where I am with that. All right. Yeah, what, that, what, is, what is the actual choice? Like, who do you think is going to get it? Do you think it's going to be Brown and Queen? If if it was up to me, that's from what I've seen so far. And but, who do you think is the other top candidate for the two? Uh, I would say, given they like the, uh, Queen enough to give him partial guarantee, I, I think they might be inclined to do that. Um, Champagne definitely hasn't made a great case for himself to stick around. Uh, Grant Riller is another guy. He's kind of looked okay. And they had him on a two-way in the past. So they definitely liked him be prior to his injury. Yeah, I find it interesting they keep they keep uh, keeping giving Riller chances. Yeah, so he's he's another guy kind of lurking. He's looked good at, at times um, in Salt Lake. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I think overall, from those kind of tertiary guys, the main takeaway is Isaiah, Isaiah Joe's spot is safe, at least internally. Um, they might decide they need to make room for some other trade, but no, no one below him in the pecking order has, has stepped up on, enough to assume yeah. that roster spot from him. Exactly. I, I went in thinking, well, maybe Springer or Queen will just completely overtake Joe, but I don't think it happened for either. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Harden situation and a little bit about free agency that's still lingering. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. Dave, the 
James Harden contract has has not come to fruition. They met in the Hamptons over the weekend. Uh, Michael Rubin threw a party. Many Sixers were there. Joel Embiid, PJ new Sixer, PJ Tucker, Tyrese Maxey, um, technically former Sixer, maybe future Sixer James Harden. Uh, we expect that to be the case. Uh, some other NBA players, a lot of rappers in attendance. Looked like they really had a good time. Everything would seem to be um, lining up that James Harden and the the Daryl Morey mutual love fest is is real. And but he, uh, he hasn't signed his his new deal after opting out. So any cause for concern? Um, why why would you reading the tea leaves? Why do you think the the deal hasn't gone down yet? I mean, y'all, I always try not to completely underestimate disaster scenarios like Kevin Durant goes somewhere and suddenly someone's recruiting James Harden to leave in free agency and the team make. So, you know, you won't completely sleep perfectly well until he's signed. I'm guessing if we heard that they were going to hash this out from Woj in like the next 24 hours, they had something very specific in mind they thought they could do. And maybe the Kevin Durant domino has put things on pause, like teams that they wanted to find a home for Furkan Korkmaz to get James an extra four million bucks and then go for a vet min deal as the final roster. You know, something like that hasn't happened. And I'm guessing that's why we're at where we're at. The other way to look at it is maybe something big is still to fall or maybe something big became possible, like an Eric Gordon deal or even an, an enormous Tobias Harris deal. And so they're saying, Let's not do anything that even limits all of our optionality, uh, whether we want to give Harden a little more or a little less. Um, let's just figure that out first. I agree. That's that's my read on it as well, that they're, they're looking for something else to happen. And if it does, then they can throw another one to two million James's way. And he's willing to wait it out because... Yeah, why wouldn't you? There's no downside, really. Um, he's going to get whatever the maximum the Sixers are able to give him, given their their salary cap constraints at this point. Um, that's what he's going to get. He obviously was willing to miss out on upwards of $10 million to bring in Tucker, bring in House. Um, so he's put himself in a team-first mentality. So now he's saying, hey, you guys can at least try to move some things around to, to help me out a little bit in the other direction. Uh, so whether that's, you know, a team's interested in Quirk Moss for a, a second rounder or something, and that will free up some space. Or if, you know, we still hear rumblings about the Eric Gordon stuff, but that seems very unlikely now that they used uh, the Danny Green contract and the pick on the, Mel- on the Melton trade. Um, so I, I don't see a path for Gordon, but we do still hear those rumblings out there. And yeah, as you said, the, the Kevin Durant situation is looming. Um, if a team needed a, a third team to enter the deal and the Sixers were able to, you know, throw in a, a, a Joe or a Quirk Moss to kind of make salaries work or something, and that would help free up a little bit of money for Harden. I think those are the kind of things they're waiting for right now. Um, Given, given the vibes in, in the Hamptons, I, I think I can say with like 98% surety that, that James Harden will continue to be a sixer um, next season. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my read on it. I, would, I wouldn't worry about it. I think they're just trying to do, do right by James since he clearly did right by the team and opting out. Yep, I think that's fair. 
Um, any any thoughts on the kind of rumors about like the, the type of contract Harden might sign? And like a one in one has been thrown out there. Uh, I, I think we always kind of assumed it would be the, the two year extension beyond this year. Um, has has anything changed in your mind in that regard from what we've heard the past week? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm now much more. I think was it Shams who threw it out there that it could be a one one year guarantee, and then he has an option. Um, you know, if you wanted to sort of bet on yourself, that would be a way to thread the needle so that you're at least locking in some money. Because if, you know, let's be honest, if you pull your hamstring in January and you miss 15 games, and then you have a subpar playoff showing instead of, instead of the $270 million you would once been hoping for, you're going to get a lot less. So at least this gives him some insurance, but also lets him hit that high outcome where it's like, all right, he's back. He's maybe not a top five NBA player, but he's back in the top 15 of all NBA status. And if I were him, I would want to have some optionality to hit free agency in one of the next two summers in case that is the case for that last big payday, like enormous payday. Yeah. If he was able to put together a stat line, like he was doing in Brooklyn pre the hamstring injuries that where he was playing really well, um, you know, wasn't scoring 30 a night, but there were, averaging like 25, six and eight or something. Like now you have to give me $200 million. Basically. Yeah, exactly. So that would be a, you know, a worthwhile path for him to consider. I, I would say uh, definitely uh, th- the difference between like the difference between not getting that third year and what he would still be able to get even at a downgraded performance level a couple years from now, I don't, I don't think that would be too great. I don't think he'd be tr- like missing out on too much of a bag in, in a year three, if he did try to do one-on-one um, and, and there would be some upside from his perspective, if he was able to show like, Hey, I'm not vintage Harden, but I'm vintage Harden 2.0. Um, yeah. I could, I could see why he would want to go that path and uh, it wouldn't be a bad outcome for the Sixers by any means. Like you'd still, even if you lose Harden after this season, um, you'd be in a pretty good position cap wise as a result. So you you, yeah, you can look for the good there because yeah. Tobias Harris comes off the books in 2024. PJ Tucker has an option. He could potentially come off the books if Harden did also. And before Maxi's next contract kicked in, like you can have so much cap space to play with. And, you know, you might want to bring back two, but not three of those guys. Maybe there's a world where you bring Tobias back on a more team friendly deal. Who knows? <laughs> That's that's something interesting I haven't considered that Tobias, everyone's been talking about when they can finally have Tobias off the books. If he just came back and, and was suddenly making like $20 million per year and people were just like, <laughs> oh, that's a fair deal. Now we like Tobias. Like, I'll just say thing if, the Sixers, if the Sixers make the final four, <laughs> there's a good chance that fans are just going to absolutely be in love with him and, and feel that we needed him to keep us same through what would have otherwise been a worse vibe session so that if you could get him on a more team-friendly deal everyone would be like well you know what i've always liked him i just never loved the original contract that, yeah. that's how it would play out yeah that's that's really a funny possibility i hadn't considered until you just mentioned that so i kind of hope that's the case now <laughs> <laughs> yeah win uh, us over and like become the philly guy yeah that'd be wonderful um all right dave this has been fun uh we'll have more summer league action to watch as the team heads to Las Vegas starting this weekend. Um, 
hopefully the the guys continue to show uh may, maybe not in the rotation immediately but that they're they're viable nba players um it it, it was a couple fun wins this week in in salt lake and uh maybe we'll have a james harden signing soon we're we're going to keep our eye on that but thanks for joining me and breaking it all down where can everybody find you your you and your work online libertyballers.com baby all right and i'm sean kennedy at philly fast break on twitter yeah check out all our work at the Liber-